Hello and welcome to Bamboo Works Weekly China Business Update Podcast, an in-house series where we discuss the latest topics on the issues affecting China concept stocks. I'm your host, Bamboo Works Editor in Chief Doug Young, joined each week with my partner, J.P. Morgan veteran and longtime China stock watcher Renee Vangusti. Welcome back, Renee, and let's delve right into the China business headlines from the past week. Today, we'll look at China's recent appetite for global metal mines. Which is straining the finances for some buyers. We'll also look at recent signs that a breakthrough two-year-old COVID partnership between China's Fosun and Germany's BioNTech may be unraveling. We'll start with a major mining story on a company called Zijin, which is just one of a number of Chinese miners to embark on a recent global buying spree for strategic metals like lithium and nickel. In this case, ratings agency Fitch has downgraded Zijin's rating to junk status after the company embarked on a 4.5 billion dollar buying spree this year, which was far larger than expected. So, Renee,、uh, Zijin isn't the only company that's suddenly become hungry for new global mining projects this year. We've seen Chinese companies doing lots of global buying in this regard. What do you think is driving this, and do you think it's sustainable? Well, it's What is interesting is that,、uh, and and this is almost, as far as I'm concerned, a classical、uh, Chinese business story. Zijin was、uh, originally, and until not too long ago, actually a gold mining company, and you see it now expanding into quite a number、uh, of other uh, sectors uh, of uh, mining. Uh, and you really, I think, in order to understand what may happen if things go wrong and so on, I think we really have to、uh, try and understand why they're doing that. And I think that there there are a number, there are potentially a number of reasons why they want to do that. One is、um, a typical、uh, story again in China. The government, at some point in time, declares、um, certain、uh, sectors to be strategically important for the future、uh, of the country, and we obviously all know that, for instance, lithium today is one of those, for obvious reasons, and、um, and companies decide to rush into it because they have a pretty clear signal from the government that that's the direction to go. Uh, and companies look at that and they say, "Okay, all right, this is an avenue、uh, for growth. It's an it's an avenue for me to diversify my business into、uh, you know growth、uh, drivers, and I'm just going to do it." And you look at it purely and simply as a corporate decision.、Um, The second way,、uh, second reason why sometimes、uh, things happen this way is, is because companies、um, just want to please the government.、Um, very clearly in China, if if you're not a, if if you're a smaller company and especially if you're a private company, your chance to be successful in business. Commands that you have very good relationships with the government at all levels of government in China, and if possible, all the way to the central government. So, 
sometimes companies will uh, go in one direction because they want to please the government. They want to be able to go to government officials and say, hey, look, you know, I know this is important for the country and I'm doing it, I'm contributing, so please support me. And the third potential reason is simply because companies are told to do something and then they're happy to oblige and they do it. So um, looking at judging in particular and the concern about uh, their balance sheet, primarily their debt, uh, and whether they're going to run into trouble, eventually default, potentially worse than that. And what would happen then? I think that what would happen depends a lot on the reason why they're doing that. Number one. Number two, if you think about potential bailout, then, then the question becomes bailing out who? And as we all know, uh, once again, it, you have a bunch of different actors on the other side of that equation. You have uh, obviously foreign investors on one hand, and uh, judging by what has happened to the real estate sector, um, foreign investors are not a prime consideration or a priority in trying to solve problems. But you have domestic investors, sometimes industrial partners, uh, and then you have the banks once again. And the banks are obviously primarily uh, state-owned, government-owned, provincially-owned uh, entities uh, that also need uh, potentially to be taken uh, care of. And then finally, you have different ways that problems can be solved in terms of direct intervention from governments. Uh, the government forcing two or three companies to merge together to solve uh, such a problem. Governments um, putting pressure on banks to continue to uh, let the companies survive, uh, usually and very often in terms of, you know, uh, renegotiating the maturity of the loans and so on, extending maturity, uh, if not lowering interest rates and, and the like. So, it's um, it 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 all depends on why, the why why uh, why is this company doing that? Why are other companies doing that? And are they somewhat uh, guided into doing it by somebody, which inevitably would be governments at one level or another? And then once once you know the answer to that, I think you can start thinking about what the likely solutions are if things go wrong. Next, we'll look at Fosun, whose major tie-up to bring BioNTech's mRNA COVID vaccines to China could be falling apart. Fosun announced it's selling a big chunk of its BioNTech shares it purchased as part of that agreement, which certainly isn't a good sign. What's more, more than two years after the deal, Fosun has yet to sell a single mRNA vaccine in China, despite investing hundreds of millions of dollars. So first, why don't we tackle the issue of why this tie-up that got announced with so much fanfare has gone virtually nowhere over the last two and a half years? What's your take on that, Rene? My understanding is that um, they never... So they signed a deal uh, with NBiotech, but they never got the approval from the FDA, I think, uh, of, of China 
to actually start production. So in my understanding, it's not just an issue of not having sold one vaccine yet. It's, it seems to be an issue of not having been able to produce anything. So why is that? Not entirely clear to me from a scientific standpoint, and I'm, I'm not a scientist, but uh, very clearly, if we look back now almost three years, China made a decision to rely entirely on Chinese-made vaccines. And uh, having done that, it seems that the logical next step would have been to not allow the sale of any foreign vaccines in China, whether manufactured in China or anywhere else in the world. So looking at it from the outside and uh, without any other particular information coming from government sources in China, this seems to be the uh, reason why they never got the explanation, why they never got the authorization. What, what is interesting is that at least according to social media, when the German Chancellor Scholz visited with President Xi in China, he uh, reportedly asked for the N-Biotech vaccines to be allowed to be sold in China. And reportedly, again, the answer was that German citizens in China would be allowed to be vaccinated with the German vaccine, basically. So assuming that that is correct, I think that that tells the story or confirms the story, or at least my suspicions. So when, when you look at that, you know, and you look at Fosun, uh, yes, they have a pile of debt. They need to do something about it. But, uh, you know, as importantly on this particular issue of the partnership with NBiotech. My understanding is that they put together a plant that would produce uh, the vaccine. So uh, assuming that that is correct, then they're sitting on a totally unproductive asset, which probably was not very cheap. I mean, uh, vaccine plants are expensive to build because they need uh, to have absolute, uh, you know, uh, health controls and 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 uh, very tight environment that doesn't allow, obviously, uh, pollution or disruption to the actual vaccine. Uh, so it has to be uh, very expensive to build, and they they're sitting on a very expensive, unproductive, totally unproductive asset, which supposedly, apparently. Uh, no end in sight in terms of being allowed to really put it to use. Uh, I mean, even if German citizens in China were allowed to get the end uh, biotech vaccine, that would never be a profitable operation for Fosun <laughs> anyhow. So they might as well right. get rid of it. Now, it also so happens at the same time that because of the success of end biotech with the vaccine, Obviously, uh, the value of uh, that uh, joint venture has increased substantially. Uh, and therefore, um, on paper at least, it looks like a perfect solution. You basically sell back your ownership to uh, the German company. 
you get a fair amount of money, much more than what you put in, and uh, you get rid of an unproductive asset and you plug some holes in your balance sheet. Now, why the German company would be happy with having to take back full ownership of an asset that may not be able to be used for a while or ever, I don't know. But that's not the point that we're discussing here anyhow. So. Well, also, I think you're, we're getting a little bit ahead of the game here because Volsun isn't, isn't selling the joint venture necessarily. They're, they're, right now, they're just selling shares in actually BioNTech. That was, that was like the, the move that everybody got. That's right. You know, sort of raised some eyebrows because they were originally you know, going to be best buddies and buying into each other. So Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's still early days, but... Oh, and also, I think uh, I think the vaccine is open to all expats, so I can I can go get one as as well, even though I'm not German. I think lucky you. Uh, but you're right; it's it's all yeah, it, it, well, and it's not going to make any money off the right. uh, the market. So that's that's uh, not really an issue. But uh, I, I think the the joint venture at this point does seem a bit uh, shaky. Um, the other factor, though, that I think in, in all this that a lot of our our listeners may not realize is, you know, Fosun itself is not exactly the healthiest company these days. And, and you know, so signs of weakness in this, this partnership may not reflect, you know, problems with the partnership itself, but maybe something at, going on at Fosun. Do you think that that could be what's what's driving this as well? Um, well, obviously, they can they can get money out of this, what I would call disengagement with N-Biotech, uh, whichever form it, it takes and probably multiple forms. But and therefore, there's money to be made and therefore that helps, uh, you know, not completely far from that, but it helps with uh, some of the balance sheet issues that they have. Right. The uh, but on the other hand, you know, if if you look at Fosun and what they have done over the past, let's say, ten years, the past decade, they have embarked on a substantial growth in China and outside China across uh, many different sectors, and and they've had bad luck uh, to some extent because, uh, you know. Two of the sectors that uh, they embarked on uh, where they did deals, which are leisure and uh, fashion, those moves were made on the expectation that standard of living in China were going to continue to grow relatively fast, that Chinese people would increasingly have disposable income and use it for leisure, use it for fashion, uh, travel uh, outside China, in China, but also outside China and so on. And some of the assets that they acquired are, for instance, uh, Club Med, um, which, as we know, used to be a French company that has vacation resorts in many different parts of the world and in some cases in in very nice touristic uh, places uh, around the world. And and the play was Chinese people will increasingly travel overseas. They will have more and more discretionary money to spend and so on. And that's a way to grow in the future. 
Same thing with leisure. They acquired a number of uh, European, a bit faded brands, but uh, with obviously uh, the objective of uh, sprucing them up and, uh, and doing very well with Chinese consumer. Then COVID hit and obviously had a pretty bad impact on all of that. But the other sectors in which there were, among other things, is uh, one of them is pharmaceuticals or healthcare, if you want, in a more general sense. And that makes perfect sense also when you think about the, the vast uh, healthcare needs uh, of China, in China, on a national basis. And obviously, and biotech was kind of a nice fit in that particular strategy. And yeah, everybody focuses on the fact that it's the COVID vaccine and so on, but the um, mRNA technology opens the door to uh, the treatment over time of a lot more uh, illnesses than, uh, than COVID. So once again, you look at that, and if you looked in terms of the future, it kind of made sense to go into that uh, and be able to, first of all, deal with COVID, but later on deal hopefully with a lot of illnesses that affect a lot of uh, people in China. And, and now selling that is kind of like taking something away from their healthcare slash pharmaceutical sector strategy, albeit at this stage still very small, uh, profitable, but very small overall uh, in the grand scheme of things for them, but which seem to hold a lot of promises for future drugs, future vaccines, and, and treatments of, of a lot of illnesses. So why did they, did, why did they do it then? Probably mostly uh, on financial and pure short-term business consideration. Okay. Yeah. And they haven't, again, they haven't said they're writing off this joint venture altogether, uh, just, just selling down shares in, in BioNTech. So, you know, they, they could, they could still stay. And like, I, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, this, this factory they've built, you know, was supposed to be initially for, you know, for the COVID vaccines, but I imagine it can be retooled to make other mRNA vaccines, which I think is, you know, the big area that is going to be coming up in the future. Okay. And yeah, let's, let's uh, wrap on this one. So that'll do it for this edition of Bamboo Works China Business Update. Uh, join us next week for the next edition when we'll look at the latest headlines coming from the world of China business. Thanks for listening and uh, thanks for joining me, Renee. We'll see you all next time. Always a pleasure. See you.